Welcome to Papa's House Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Charles. For more information about this service, visit Papa's House India by logging in into SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook. We started a series. We never thought we would do this as a series. God put in my heart to go back and study about how the early church lived and functioned. So we started off seven weeks ago, gathered for a purpose, and we are still dealing with it. We are not done with it. So this is part seven, gathered for a purpose. And uh, this week we will be talking about the Word of God. And uh, why don't we just pray before that, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak. I just don't want to speak, because if I speak, I can bring words of confusion but if the holy spirit speaks he can bring you clarity and he can bring you wisdom and he can bring you uh, edification he can bring you to your place where the instruction of god can bring you closer to the instructor amen so holy spirit speak to me speak to us say this after me lord jesus influence me this evening so Holy Spirit, I pray that you will take control of my mouth. You will speak. You will have your way. Let the words that comes out of my mouth will be directed by you so that it will go into the right soil, a good soil, which in turn produce an abundant fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the early church had seven pillars. Uh, you might have seen this. We keep on this as our framework. This is what the early church lived. They had a lifestyle of giving, they had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, they had a lifestyle of evangelism, which is experience and expression, they had a lifestyle of discipleship, and they had a lifestyle of worship, which is not an event, it doesn't finish after a few songs, it is a lifestyle. That's why we don't say, worship time is over, the whole life is a worship, amen? And then they also had a lifestyle of communion, which is a deeper understanding and the revelation of what Jesus did on the cross. Not just a symbolic thing, you do it as a ritual, but as an understanding that his life is what brought you life. Amen. And then they had a deeper passion with the word. So this is how the early church lived. The early church had these seven things as pillars. And we've been dealing with every week on discipleship we started talking about discipleship then we went on to talk on evangelism prayer and fasting we took actually two weeks on that and then last week we did uh, giving so it's on itunes and on soundcloud also if you'd like to uh, listen to that today we will god willing we'll see how we will unpack on the concept of the word you know sometimes this word could be very complicated Sometimes this word could little bit makes us feel like intimidate us. Sometimes this word you don't even understand like wondering if you read Leviticus or Numbers, it's like the book on barbecue. <laughs> it's like so many uh, altars and sacrifices. You'll be wondering like where I'm going to finish this. And then you find, find yourself like it's not relating. But I believe Old Testament and New Testament don't contradict one another. Old Testament is New Testament concealed, New Testament is Old Testament revealed. So they both work together. And the book, the Bible, we will be meditating on, they have almost 66 books written by 40 different writers, 
three different languages over the period of 1,500 years, but they have only one author, and his name is Holy Spirit. Amen? Different cultural background, different languages, but different writers, but they have only one author. His name is Holy Spirit. And before we get into the nitty-gritty party of, I'm going to give you some notes, I want to share some personal stories, but also some stories of uh, how the Bible made a huge impact. So, before we get into that, I want next, the first five to seven minutes, give me some hearing. You won't be taking any notes, but just pay attention to this. The first story I want to talk to you is about the guy named Voltaire. I don't know anybody heard his name Voltaire. Voltaire was an 18th century enlightenment person. He was the one who brought in that says, I, I think, therefore I am. You know, that's where the movement of the European movement, the Renaissance came, the resistance towards the institutional church and other thing. And he made a public statement and he said, 100 years from now, he's a French guy, 100 years from now, Bible will be completely forgotten by the whole world. That's what Voltaire said. He didn't live for 100 years. He died and in his home, this guy named Tronchin, Tronchin, this is a fam probably I'm pronouncing super Indian accent. This is a French family. They are called Tronchin, their last name. They rented that home. And they are the early pioneers, the president of the Bible Society from Geneva. <laughs> and they were storing Bible in that house of Voltaire and distributing Bible even after 100 years. Isn't it God humorous? The moment you say never, my wife said three things. She will never marry a Tamilian. She will never marry a pastor and she will never marry a South Indian. <laughs> God is full of humor. So never say never. This is a very easy way to finish. Never say never. So the first time I remember it was 14 years ago, 2007, I met her and she asked me, where are you from? I said, near Chennai, <laughs> one mark, you know, so South Indian Chennai, are you Tamil? <laughs> of course, <clears throat> what do you do? My, I said, I didn't know this whole story, I said, we are a three generation pastors. <laughs> and it took the Holy Spirit to convict her that um, she can never find the best man other than me. Can I, can anyone hear him in? Mm, okay. Anyway, but this is the reality. So, Voltaire said, Bible will be forgotten. 100 years down the road, French Bible Society were selling Bibles from the very house he, he wrote all those things. The second story I want to tell you is the guy called Mao Zedong. He was the Chinese chairman in the year of 1968. He said this statement. He said, 40 years from now, Christianity will be wiped out in mainland China. What did he say? Christianity will be wiped out from mainland China. 40 years forward, 2008. I remember personally, and that's where there's two personal testimonies I want to share. I remember taking a team in 2007 
to mainland China and we were in the closest border to North Korea and Russia. It's actually a stone's throw away. You could literally throw a stone either to the North Korean border or to the Russian border. A small city called Harbin. It is the coldest, one of the coldest city in China. They have this ice sculptures. If you type Google Harbin, you know, ice winter, it's beautiful city. And we were there and guess what? We were ministering in the underground churches. And one of the underground church was pioneered by Nagaland sisters. I said to them, Ni hao. And she said, I am, I am Indian. <laughs> and I said, I'm sorry, Kiniga se. And she said, Bala se. So, you know, Vyvamers, we sometimes miss it. Uh, the, the worst thing I have done was asking a Japanese or a Korean. And uh, <laughs> you know the history, so it's, it's worst. One day we asked a question, we were flying somewhere, and we asked a question, are you Japanese? And she said, I'm Korean. I said, Kamsamida, <laughs> sorry. You know, so anyway, so uh, they were pioneering, uh, they pioneered a underground church, and I am not exaggerating, God is my witness. The church is smaller than the room where we used to meet that building. And they had almost 50 to 60 people like a sardine in a can meeting and that too you know they are not male pastors female pastors and they said Charles would you like to preach I had no clue what to preach what do I preach I come from a church where we have good sound system you know those guys cannot even meet with the sound system all the curtains closed windows shut they cannot meet publicly they were meeting quietly they take the Bible, I'm not exaggerating, they tear the Bible in pieces. They give them to people to memorize, bring them back next week to swap. Because if you possess these, and if they find out you possess, you may go to prison. Today we have so many Bibles, so many versions of the Bible, but this Bible is not inside. The church in China grew. Today the fastest growing church, you know where? It's not India, it's in China and in Iran. These are the fastest growing church. We Indians, we sometimes, especially even in the South, we have taken it so granted, this freedom, and we, we kind of, now it's becoming like a routine. Yeah, Sunday I go to church. That kind of mentality. And it was so beautiful to meet this group of young girls, maybe they are in their early 20s. They just did their DTS, God spoke to them, get a you know, Chinese business, business visa. They were working in a coffee shop, as that's their you know, uh, outward look, but inside they are planters, church planters. So they pioneered a coffee shop, and then boom, they pioneered a church. And few years down the road, I again went to China. And this time, <laughs> the, we met a pastor, from Hong Kong and he said I probably might have shared this testimony uh, he said today I need some volunteers to cross the border from Hong Kong to mainland China I said yes you know volunteers fine and then he told me what was that he said today we want to smuggle the Bible <laughs> I almost wanted to put my hand down and uh, he said please if you get caught don't tell my name you may go to prison but that's for good reason my niece started fellowshipping you know, I was trembling, 
we crossed the border the police actually caught us you know and they, somehow he escaped i i was caught taken to the integration room my bags were all open i had a couple of t-shirts and then full bible packed in my bag the police asked why you carry this and i think right now logically what i said that time really did not make sense but i was i believe that i was under the unction of the holy spirit and i said to this guy this bible is for you also you can also take one copy and i don't know what happened to this guy he packed all the bible inside my bag and he started screaming in chinese which i don't understand all i could see is body language was like this like this and he was showing me the exit door i came out and the pastors told me that he, there will be a you know a van will be at the end of the terminal no wonder they call it terminal and the end of the terminal you get inside they will take you to the underground church we got inside the van and i knew only two words still i know the same two words for two hours i was saying the same thing ni hao si she ni hao si she and we arrived to the underground church the underground church was on the 11th floor i thought underground means underground da it was not underground it was on the 11th floor when i opened it god is my witness there was an old man 94 year old man he never saw bible in his life and one of the bibles i was smuggling was the large printed bible he don't even have glasses they gave him a bit of a lens and the pastor said did all the bible arrive safe i said i also arrived safe thanks for asking and you know you're welcome you know so he didn't care about me actually we brought the bible he was so eager i tell you guys so eager to touch the word of god in his hand to eager and they gave him and everybody was reading the bible so eager it's almost like you know this on the 24th eve you leave the under the christmas tree some gifts do you do those thing do you do the gift sharing thing on the christmas you open it and you you probably told what you want you know and you, your parents prepared it my my kids they all been telling from now on christmas i want this from now on you know they want for christmas they have a list so and they opened that excitement even more excitement that i think i can i can for your imagination to relate to that that excitement they open and read and few months down the road that pastor from hong kong told me this brother now is with jesus he had a privilege i had a privilege to bring that bible to him now with these four stories i want you to pay attention to what i'm going to share now so please take notes now this is what we going to deal with Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen says, "All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work." And by the way, the man is not about gender. The man means in Hebrew ish. Ish means spirit. and man kind just like animal kind bird kind reptile kind man kind as two different kinds male man kind and female man kind i am a male man my wife is a female man amen so this is 
the man means it's not only for uh, only for male it's for male and female some more scriptures psalms 90 1986 all your commands can be trusted there's going to be quite a few scriptures i'm going to give you write it down these are very important for you to chew on okay first corinthians 2 16 who has known the mind of the lord so has to instruct him we have the mind of christ how do you find the mind of christ you find the mind of christ in the word of god you don't go to find the mind of christ from a prophet you don't go find the mind of christ from another pastor a visiting preacher to tell you i send your tithes and offerings to somebody in online and get the mind of god mind of christ can be found in the word of god i'm going to go into this little bit detail romans 11 34 to 36 look at this who can phantom the mind of the lord or who can claim to be his advisor who can give to god in advance so that god must pay him back for all that exists originates in him through him and is moving toward him so give him the glory forever and amen so there are three things the written word of god the living word of god and the spoken word of god can you look at the screen can you say this after me written word of god living word of god spoken word of god so this bible is a written word of god it's been written over the period of 1600 years it's been written by 40 different uh, writers three different languages but it is also spoken word of God it is spoken from the mouth of God people had an unction of the Holy Spirit and they wrote it down and this is a living word of God it does not have an expiry date that's why the Bible says the originator of his the word called the king of ancient the ancient king the king of glory the king that was before all the kings his word and his word become the law you know in the kingdom it's no democracy we are into democracy right so that we come to think if everybody voted up we can change the constitution that's what our mindset but in the kingdom the king makes the rule his words become the law so it is the living word of God written word of God and the spoken word of God and there are two words you need to understand logos and rhema say this with me logos rhema what is logos logos is the written unchangeable eternal tangible word of God it cannot be changed just because you don't agree with it does not mean you can vote the word out of it just because you don't believe in this the word cannot be not true anymore it doesn't matter this is the written word of God it's been declared by the king so it is there okay that's the written word of God that's called the logos but then comes rhema I mean, you might have heard in the charismatic church I heard a rhema word today from the pastor have you heard that kind of statement the rhema word was so powerful you know what is the rhema word the rhema word is the present spoken relational revelational word of God what is the rhema word it is present and it is spoken now, right now under the anansha of the Holy Spirit you may get the rhema word relational revelational not information revelational word of God now how do you differentiate between the logos and the rhema one analogy you see before I joined youth with a mission as a missionary 24 years ago I did my hotel management so my most of my analogies comes from cooking 
I love cooking, so something that's my passionate about. So I'm going to give you an analogy. This is the analogy. Logos. What is the logos? It is the big loaf of baguette. Have you seen a baguette? It's a French loaf, long bread. It's a baguette. It's so beautiful in the subway. Anybody heard about subway? The subway has got big baguettes. You know, the subways in India sucks. Don't go. Okay. So I'm not endorsing that. My friends went there. They got sick out of it. So. Um, <laughs> So I'm not endorsing. Pastor told Subway, let's try it out. You know, no. So the big loaf, that's the baguette, the, the logos. It's the whole thing. Now, you can't take the whole baguette. It's, it's almost a foot long. You can't take the whole baguette and stuck it in. You'll, it'll choke you to death. You can't eat it. What is the rhema? The rhema is a small piece from the baguette bread to meet your present need. From that whole bucket, you know, baguette bread, not the bucket. <laughs> so, the baguette bread, from the whole thing, even the Subway sandwich are so big, no? They'll ask you, half sandwich or a full sandwich? Anybody been to Subway? Yes? Yeah. They will tell you, foot long or off foot, you know, they will tell you. So, you can't take the whole thing and chuck it in. It's impossible. So, from that small, you break it in. So, every rhema word, where is the origin of it? From the logos. Hello? That's why I wrote down, this is the important statement I wrote down. The rhema word of God will never contradict the logos word of God. Let's put it simple. What God wrote in the scriptures is not going to change it through his mouth later. Hello? When God, you know, right now they are trying to fiddle out, right? They, God wrote here, Adam and Eve. He's not going to change it, Adam and Steve. Sorry, bad humor. I don't know whether you're laughing or angry with your mask. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> so this is the thing. He's not going to change. But that's what we now trying to accommodate. Instead of confronting sin, we are now accommodating the sin. And we justify a doctrine. Of course, God loves sinners, but he loves the sinners not for them to stay where they are at, for them to come back to the original design. That's why he, he took his own life on the altar. Are we, are we, is it, is it making sense? Does it make sense? No. So the rhema word of God does not contradict with the logos word of God. With this in mind, we will jump quickly, okay? To whom he speaks. Now. He spoke to the individuals like Abraham, Enoch, Elijah, Moses, Mary, Deborah, and many other men and women. And this is the word, if you're taking notes, write this down. Through covenants. There's a big difference between a covenant and a contract. You see, we have a contractor there. Last week we had another person. He didn't do a good job. The contractor was fired. We put a new person. Why? Because one person in that contract fails to meet their obligations, the contract fails. Yes or no? Covenant is different. Covenant says, I will remain faithful even in your unfaithfulness. Amen? I'll give you one story. You, you are excited? There were two widows, Ruth and Orpha. Not Oprah. Orpha. Two widows, okay? And they said to Naomi, they are not Indian Tamil widows, 
because they would never say that to their mother-in-law like that. <laughs> so, so <laughs> again, my bad humor. So they, they said to Naomi, they said, your people are my people. Your land is my land. Okay? But that's what Ruth said. Naomi said, you can go. I don't have any more children to marry you. In those days, that was the custom. You know, and uh, you can go. But Ruth said, your people is my people. Your God is my God. Orpha said, I can't handle this. I'm going to go. They both went. Ruth met Bohas. It's a beautiful romantic story, which it's like almost a chick flick movie. I will tell that in another sermon. Okay? Bohas. Bohas gave birth to Obed. Obed gave birth to Jesse. Jesse gave birth to David. Do you want to know the other side? Orpha? Orpha went back and she became a prostitute. And she gave birth to who? Goliath. When you make covenant with God, David is born. The one, when you make covenant with God, God gives you the grace to overcome the giants in your life. Come on, church. This is amazing, revelational word. Amen? Say hallelujah. I'm a bit Pentecostal today. Hallelujah. So, this is what happens. He makes covenant with you. One lady, she had no clue. She said, your God is my God. God said, okay, I make covenant with you. Bohas found. Bohas was a picture of the Old Testament Jesus. Married, out of that, obeyed. Jesse. David and God calls David a man after my own heart this man after my own heart overcame all the giants amen isn't it beautiful so that's why he speaks that's why it's, it's important you listen to him that's why the word is important number two he speaks to the whole nation like Israel Egypt Babylonia through law and commands he speaks to us what is he speaking to the nation of India are you asking? What are you talking to us? What is what we as Indians should do? I'm praying for the H1B1 visa, brother. <laughs> I'm, up, I'm applied, you know. I'm in the exit door. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what he's speaking. He continues to speak to all nations, to the ends of the earth, through the gospel of grace. He speaks. Why he speaks? God is the master communicator. In the beginning, the Bible says, the world was without form. The word without form means chaos. And then what happened? God spoke. Things came into order. If there is chaos, what you need is the word of God. If there is confusion, what do you need? The word of God. Amen? Make sense? So, he spoke through his word. Second person of the Trinity is called the word. That's why the centurion said one, say only one word to my servant and he will be all right. You remember that centurion? What is a centurion? Centurion is the one, he is the commander for 100 people. Century, 100, centurion, he was the commander for 100 people. He will be sitting there and he will say, hey, bring me cold water. Hey, bring me umbrella. Hey, bring me tikka masala. Hey, bring me naan. You know, he will be doing. So he, his servant got one day sick. He knows how it works. Through his word, people obey. He knows there is a guy who is bigger than the word. 
all words name above all names philippians 2 he said to them you know what you don't need to come do long prayer no mandras no seven times cross you know dipping on the you know water you know no holy oil no oil water you know all those mantras we have been learned in the church nothing just say come on one word that's it so jesus looked at him like man he understands me because my kingdom operates on what word you don't need to go to god and say appa konjam podunga ayya professional beggar some christians they have degrees like some of you have many degrees behind your name they have laid a lot of degrees behind their professional beggars they know how to beg you know beating their chest jesus is not interested in your begging bargaining bribing jesus interested in your believing amen so he said one word his power is demonstrated when he speaks when he speaks he loves to share his thoughts and original design jeremiah 29:11 have you sat once before the lord and say god what is your original design for vellur why green circle looks like a death circle have you been to the green circle why lord why traffic lights is blinking but nobody stopping including me why it looks like this christmas lights that was not removed after december i know i'm adding some humor but you you sat you know in the kingdom it operates through words right king made a rule that's why the bible says this is interesting jesus said the priority somebody asked what is the priority of you he said this seek first my kingdom and my righteousness what is my kingdom seek how king jesus lives seek how he runs the world seek his thought seek his mind and his righteousness means his commands so there is a command that means red light means you stop right in most countries we have to put an star there conditions apply <laughs> most countries red light means what stop so if you stop and not stop and you cross what are you doing you are breaking a a righteous law in that place right so what was jesus saying you don't need to beg bargain you don't need to come to me 40 days fasting prayer some people are more holier than jesus they want to do 50 days one guy literally told me 54 brother 50 days i was like for what one guy came to me say anna 3 days fasting why she said no anna she said no he wants 3 days fasting as if god is going to twist her arm fasting is not to change god's heart fasting is to change your heart amen hallelujah so this is the reality so what when you when you seek his righteousness that means when you come in agreement with his spoken word his written word everything what are the everything the bible says in matthew 6 in the beginning what you eat what you drink you know there are three needs for every human kind what is the first one survival survive basic food and clothing second one belonging belonging somewhere you need to belong third one to be significance to some meaning Th- these are the three needs those three needs will be met when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness what we do today we have prioritized those three things as the main thing 
Does it make sense? Now, it's a couple of more. Okay, what happens when he speaks? Very important. Three things happen again. In 1 Corinthians 14.3 it says, when, you, when the Holy Spirit speaks, it brings, he strengthens, he encourages, you are encouraged, you are strengthened, and you are comforted. What do you think things? You are strengthened. Why you are strengthened? Because you become weak without his word. Just like how you don't put food inside your system, you go weak without his word, your spirit becomes weak. That's why we gather to be strengthened, not to be entertained. Church is not an entertainment place. Church is for equipping. Amen? And I have said this before, I'm going to say it again. Church is not a building you go to. Church is not a meeting you attend to. Church is a family you belong to. That's why I encourage you to plug in. Not just be everywhere, every week. Plug in somewhere to get connected so that you'll be strengthened, encouraged, and comforted. Now, we can trust the Bible because some people have a question. We're going to quickly break this. I'm almost done with my sermon. And we're going to break the bread and com have communion. And before that, we will going to get in the groups and we'll have some discussion and pray for one another. We can trust the Bible because I wrote down here seven reasons. And this, this will take one point, will take one week. We don't have time. But I'm just going to give you those seven things. Maybe we will touch one or two. I have written down some examples. We will see. Okay. Some people say, I cannot trust the Bible. It's old-fashioned. It talks about it's a male-dominant culture. It's Paul tells women to cover their head, women to keep quiet. It's all old style. It doesn't relevate to me. I'm a modern guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a postmodern. What's true for you, it's not true for me. I'll tell you why you can trust the Bible. I have written down seven points. It's all, I'm going to put it here. You can, you can take a screenshot or whatever. It's historically accurate. It's scientifically accurate. It's prophetically articulate. It has the same theme, one theme from the Genesis to the Revelation. It is confirmed by Jesus. It is God breathed. There is a Greek word for tenapnotes, which means spoken by God breathes over this word. And it has a transforming power. This is why you can trust the Bible. Why you trust the Bible? It's historically accurate. Now, I'll give you some. Let's take a couple of them. For example, okay, scientifically accurate. People always say, the scientists always say, the people who are in the science world, they will say, ah, the Bible is outdated. But the Bible, I wrote down here, science is simply, this is what Johannes Kepler, I don't know whether you heard about this guy, is a German mathematician in the 1600s. He said this, science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. Science is simply thinking God's thoughts after him. Look at this verse, Psalm 148, verse 5. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he spoke and they came into being. He has made them last forever. He has set a law and which will not pass away. Now, one of the things, many of you in the medical field, I'm, you know, I know one thing. If you have pain, take paracetamol. So I'm not into any of those I'm not claiming to be a doctor or anything, but I a little bit I learned that until 1650, until George Washington, that many people in the science world believed that through bloodletting, you might have heard that, you know, that's the only way you can purify yourself. 
Even George Washington died by bloodletting. Until this guy called William Harvey, you might have heard about this guy. He's an English doctor. And he, he found out that actually blood circulates. Okay, now, is science found out or is it in the word? If you have your Bible, write it down. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11. What it says in Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11? Life of every creature is in its blood. Okay. Isn't it amazing? Did the word contradict? No, word actually affirms science. William Harvey found out 5,600 years later. Another example. I can give you a few more. Okay. Now, in the Europe, they had this called bubonic plague. Have you heard about that? Bubonic plague. It's almost one-fourth of Europe was killed. One out of every four people got infected and died. And they started this word during that time called quarantine. Guess where it came from? Leviticus 13.4. It says, put outside the camp for a person who is infected for seven days. Write down the scripture. Somebody, some non-Christian person will come and say, you doctor, you believe the word? Then you say, you pagalota. No, don't say that. <laughs> you may say it internally, but that's your cross. You have to deal with that. But you sit with them and say, brother or sister, buy them a chai, work on the, you know, the fruit of the spirit. You don't want to speak the truth without the spirit of truth, which is love. Then it becomes untruth. Hello? So, Leviticus 13, 14 says, put the guy who is infected seven days outside. Hello? Now, I have another example. For thousands of years, people thought the earth was flat. But God said 2,600 years ago in Isaiah 40:22, God is enthroned above the spheres of earth. You know, many people thought that the Cape Town, which is the tip of South Africa, they, they could not even, they thought if they go down, they will fall. So many attempts, you know, Columbus even wanted to go to India. They wanted to try. They went all the way. They scared. They're going to come back. Imagine that. Can you imagine that? You go up to the tip, you think you're going to fall. <laughs> they came back. And one guy said, even if I fall, let me try. And he had this, he came out the other side. And he found us. Can you imagine this? I'll give you another example. For thousands of years, people believed that the earth is held up. Hindus believed huge elephants are holding the planet. Ask any Hindu, they will believe in the Puranas, in their Mahabharata, on all those places, it says there, you know. And the Greeks believed Atlas has held it. That's why the Atlas map. Okay? The Egyptians believed that five columns have held it. Okay? The Bible says, He holds the planet. It's just hanging there. He created. And the Bible says, you know, and many people, the, for thousands of years, people thought there are only limited, finite amount of stars. But Jeremiah 32, 33, 22 says, the numbers of stars cannot be counted. Jeremiah 33, 22. Can you imagine this? And the humor of God is this, and he named the stars also. 
So as if like four stars are there, he named that also. Can you imagine? This is the beautiful God we serve. This God, universe created God, become your, my personal God. And he's not just a God up there, he's my daddy. I'll give you a couple of examples and we'll, we'll wrap it up. Okay? And so, God breathed. Let's go down. Survived all attacks. You know, Bible is the most translated, most selling, most read, most published, most transformational book. And it's also the most stolen book in the whole world. Bible. The most hated book in the whole world. Bible. Why? There is power. This is so weird, guys. We think this is a religious book. It's not. It's, it's something that's... It's, it talks about a kingdom that is not visible, but it's, if you believe this invisible kingdom, that invisible kingdom can become a reality in your visible kingdom. That's the transforming power about this Bible. You don't think this is a religious book. Okay, now, I have written down here three questions to ponder. So you can take a screenshot or whatever. We're going to get into groups. We're going to talk about this and pray for one another. The first question is, I don't have time to go through all the seven points. Maybe, God willing, in the future we will, we, will, we will unlock this one by one. But I don't know. Which part of the Bible verse is hard for you to believe? Let's be honest, no? There are some scriptures. It's like one, one guy was sitting next to uh, a girl on the plane. She was a teenage, uh, maybe in her, in her early teens. She was flying solo and she was reading Bible. This big businessman asked, so what are you reading? I'm reading Bible. Oh, <laughs> you're reading Bible. So you believe all those Jonah story? Yeah. So you really think Jonah was, uh, was swallowed by a whale, a big fish? Yeah. How do you know? Well, it says in the Bible. And then, how do you know? It says in the Bible, I will believe it. But how else do you know? And she looked at him and said, Well, when I go to heaven, I will find him there. And she asked, What if he's not in heaven? She didn't miss this beat. She said, You will find him in hell. You can ask him there. My friends, this Sometimes it's very hard, right? Some verses, it's just wrestle with your worldview, with your upbringing. It doesn't match with your current trend. What is hard? Have you been ridiculed by friends or family when you say, I believe in the word? I believe in the Bible. Oh, really? Have you been ridiculed? Third question, what changes you need to make in order to understand, appreciate and experience the word of God? Maybe you need to accommodate some time to spend. I've said this before, time spent with God is never a waste of time.